All right, we are in an eight-week adventure that we're calling Tangible Kingdom, and we're in week four of that adventure, about halfway through, and it's been an awesome journey so far. Last week, we talked about the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, and it's this idea that God's kingdom is here. It's real. It's a present reality. God's kingdom is breaking through and it's changing lives. Even in the midst of hurt and pain and disappointment and discouragement, there is a kingdom breaking through. That's kind of a cool truth, right? That Jesus came proclaiming kingdom breakthrough. And we can experience the reality of his presence as we trust in him. So that was, uh, that was last week. Um, one of the best ways, we're talking about the kingdom, one of the best ways to experience God's kingdom is actually in community. And that's what week four is all about. Week four, we're asking this question, what is community? Are you in community with other believers? And what is that community? I think we've all experienced community in one way or another. Um, community can be amazing. I was trying to think back to my first experience of community. Maybe for you it was scouts. Maybe it was 4-H. Maybe it was a soccer team. My first experience of community was back in fourth grade when little Brian decided to sign up for football as a fourth grader. And in our town, we called it the Loveland Midget (laughs) Athletic Association. I don't think we still call it that, but that's what it was back in the 1980s. And uh, I got put on a team called Hag Sand and Gravel. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And my coach was this guy who looked like he had just stepped out of an 80s rock band with, like, way too much hairspray. You know, the big hair and all that. Crazy, crazy guy. And our team was awful. I think we maybe lost every game. And it made my coach so frustrated, so angry. One time he got all of us little fourth-grade boys in a huddle. And we were losing really, really badly. And he gets us together and he looks in our eyes and he says, You see your jerseys? I looked. He's like, your jersey's red. He's like, I want you to get out there. I want you to make that team bleed red all over the place. (laughs) All those fourth grade boys are like, what's going on? And that was like my first experience of community. It was awesome. You know, I mean, and that's community for you. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's crazy community. You got to love it. Well, what is community? Sometimes we don't have community in our life. Have you ever experienced that? That can be a very lonely place to be, a place of isolation. You know, it it really is amazing the day we live in. We are so connected. We are more connected than we've ever been. And yet, isn't it amazing? People are actually lonelier than they've ever been. A lot of studies, you know, a lot of research being done on loneliness. The most connected generation is the millennial generation. 
And as they study, they found that the millennials are the loneliest generation, with 22% of millennials reporting that they have no friends. Think about that, 22%. There's an article in the Boston Globe that announced the greatest threat facing middle-aged men. For all the middle-aged men in the room today, it's the biggest threat. And the Boston Globe says, it's not smoking, it's not obesity, it's loneliness. The biggest health threat facing many of us today, it's not smoking, it's loneliness. It's isolation, it takes a toll on us spiritually, emotionally, physically. So much so that Cigna, which is this huge health insurance company, actually did a research on loneliness. And they found that 50% of the people they surveyed reported feeling alone. And so many of us are here today and we feel alone as we're going through this journey. In fact, uh, Cigna found, it's just really interesting, 40% of people they, they talked to said they lack companionship in life. That, get this, their relationships aren't meaningful. Do we have meaningful relationships with people? 40% said they lacked meaningful relationships and that they're isolated from others. That isolation is not good. God did not make us to live in social isolation, did he? God made us to need people. And so we need community. We need people in our life. We need groups. We need a tribe to be, belong to. It's not weakness to admit that you need a community to support you in life. That's actually a strength, isn't it? And one of the amazing things that God has given us is he's given us a community of faith. Isn't that an amazing thing? That when you said yes to following Jesus, when you were saved, God placed you in a family. He placed you in a community. Hope Community Church, one of the things we love about this church, when you come to this church... You get a family. You get a community. Hope Community Church. Community, it's our middle name, right? It's a big part of what we do here. So today we're asking this question, what is community? And as we go to the scriptures, we want to see what the Bible has to say about real, genuine, authentic Christian community. What are the ingredients of community? It's what we want to look at as we study the scripture together. I want to share with you a verse in 1 Peter. Uh, 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. And uh, we'll put it up on the screen. But, but if you have your Bible, you might underline this in your Bible and write community next to it. How many of you know you can write in your Bible? You guys know that? Okay. It's okay. Right? Wear out your Bible. It's a good thing. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 10. I love this. What is community? Above all, Peter says, as he's writing to these believers, as he's writing to these communities, Peter says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others 
as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So this is a great description of community, isn't it? Love deeply. Offer hospitality to one another. Serve one another with your gifts. So this is how we experience community. It's how we experience community here at Hope Community Church. Actually, we love deeply. We want to be a caring place where God transforms lives. We offer hospitality to one another. We serve each other with our gifts. And so today we want to look at each of these three ingredients of community. Because for many of us, we are craving that community. And this is how we're going to find it. So let's pray. We'll dive in. God, thanks for this morning, and thank you for bringing us into a community. God, uh, we just, we ask today that you would continue just to, to use this community to impact lives. God, we just ask that you would um, work in our hearts this morning. Help us to understand what genuine community is all about, and I pray that we would embrace that with our hearts, with our, with our lives. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so three ingredients of Christian community. The first ingredient I see in this passage is love deeply. Love deeply. Don't you guys like that? Love deeply. Isn't that a really great way of putting it? And I think what Peter is saying is that in our relationships with each other in the church... That the very first and the most important ingredient in our relationships is going to be love. Yes, see that in the scripture um, as, as Peter's writing this. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8. He says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And this, so this whole encouragement to love is introduced by two words. Do you guys see it? Above all, that's right, above all. And so in community, what's he saying? Above all, love deeply. Right, love is important. Love matters. Love is central. In our relationships with each other, love is the highest priority. You guys know the famous love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13? What does Paul say? But have not love, I am nothing. What's a community without love? Nothing. Right? But without love, we are nothing. Love is that important. This command to love one another goes actually all the way back to Jesus, doesn't it? That's what Jesus taught us. In John 13, Jesus gives this new command. And he's speaking to his followers. This is about our relationships with one another as believers. And Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So Jesus, speaking to his followers, he says, this is really important. I want you to love one another. And this command for us to love each other shows up as you read through the New Testament 16 times. It's kind of a big deal. Love one another 16 times in the New Testament. We'll read that. 
love one another in community. It's why, I think that's why small groups are so important, isn't it? Because we, as Christians, we don't love each other in a crowd, do we? We love each other in community. In the New Testament, we have 58 one another's. I think the women did a retreat, right? Going through some of the one another's. We've got three of those 58 one another's right here in 1 Peter. Love one another. Offer hospitality to one another. Serve one another with your gifts. There's 58 of those in the New Testament. Pray for one another. Care for one another. Bear each other's burdens. And all that happens not in a crowd, but in community. That's why small groups are so important. You need to be a part of a small group. That's where we love one another, just like Jesus asked us to do. But here's what's going to happen. You're going to get into a small group. And you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. People are going to be smiling. You're going to start connecting. Maybe get some Rob Albert chocolate chip cookies. (laughs) True. You'll be like, this community thing is amazing. It's awesome. I love it. And guys, community is amazing until the people show up, right? You know what I'm talking about? Because eventually, people are going to show up. And it may not happen on the first night. It may not happen the first semester. It may not happen the first year. But at some point in community, people are going to show up. People that bring frustration. People that bring drama. People that irritate and annoy you. Now you've got community. That's community. What is community? It's sinners in relationship with other sinners, isn't it? Right? We all bring our mess to community. Right? If, if you had a perfect community, it would be perfect until you and I showed up. And we'd mess it up. And so community is messy. I think we all come to community with this like, oh, this is going to be amazing. We're going to eat cookies. We're going to study the Bible. And then the people show up, right? And it gets messy. And community is messy because community involves people. You might come over to my house be like, wow, the Vincent house is pretty clean. And it usually is. But if you stay with us a little while, you start opening up some closets, you open, you open up some drawers, you're like, that drawer is pretty messy. Yeah, we got some messy drawers. And I think the deeper that we go in community with one another, sometimes the messier it gets. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of years I was a youth pastor and uh, gave a lot of rides to teenagers. Kind of goes with the territory. And I'll never forget a night I was given a ride to a group of boys. And one of the boys grabs my glove box for some reason and just rips the door right off the glove box. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what just happened? And I'm looking at this kid, and I'm just going, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. Ever experienced that? I was talking to a friend. He did some work for a woman in his church community. 
she just decided not to pay him. He goes, you know what? I'm kind of done doing work for other Christians. I don't know what you've experienced in community. Whether there's been things that have been said or things that have been done. And maybe you found yourself just kind of going, you know what? I don't need this in my life. I'm kind of done with community. What we don't understand, think about the messiness of community, is that God actually puts us in the mess of community so that we learn to love the way that Jesus loves us. Above all, Peter says, love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. God wants us to have a deep love for one another. That word deeply in the Greek literally means to full stretch. And so what God is doing in community is God is actually stretching our ability to love. Have you ever gotten to a point in a stretch where it starts to hurt? Yeah, now you're at full stretch. (laughs) That's community. (laughs) Right? God is stretching our ability to love. He's teaching us how to love the way Jesus, his son, loves us, who stretched out his arms and died on a cross because his love covers a multitude of sins. And just like a stretched muscle grows stronger in community, God is stretching our capacity and our ability to love. It is a part of his plan for making us more like his son, Jesus. So community, it's messy. But what God is saying is love each other deeply. Get past that superficial kind of Christian smiley, happy face kind of love. And learn to love each other. Really, really love each other. That's what community is about. So first ingredient, deep love. Love one another deeply. Second ingredient of community is to offer hospitality. And it's one of the ways we show our love to Jesus. It's one of the ways we show our love to each other is we offer hospitality. It's how we connect. It's how we build relationship. Hospitality creates community. And so listen to what Peter says. He says, above all, love each other deeply. Love covers a multitude of sins. And then here comes the second ingredient. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. What is hospitality? Hospitality comes from a Greek word, uh, philozania. Philo is like Philadelphia. What is Philadelphia? Love, right? Brotherly love. So you got the philo there. Xenia. Maybe you've heard of xenophobia. What's xenophobia? Fear of strangers. Okay, so, so not xenophobia. Philozania is the love for strangers. Philozania, love for strangers. Hospitality is really the art of helping a stranger feel loved. How cool is that? It's what Jesus is inviting us to do, is to offer hospitality. And and hospitality is really 
just about opening up our lives to people, getting to know people. Hospitality might be opening up your home or inviting someone over to a meal. That's hospitality. So you want to get to know someone, offer hospitality. Your small group needs a place to meet. Oh, offer hospitality. I was thinking about this. Maybe you're feeling a little so socially isolated or alone. Invite someone into your life. Offer hospitality. The command in this passage is that we be people as Christians who offer hospitality to one another. It creates connection. It creates community. And I think for a lot of us, we want to offer hospitality, right? But many times we don't. Why? I, I think, you know, we all say things like, ah, I don't have a lot of time for that, or my house is too small, or I don't have a house, or my house is a mess, or um, my dog would eat people if they came over. I don't know. You know, we have all these reasons. I'm an introvert. I don't have the gift of hospitality. Guys, I just want to encourage you a little bit because what I've learned is you don't have to have the perfect house to offer hospitality. You don't have to be a great cook to offer hospitality. It's not really about any of those things, is it? Right? If I can offer hospitality, we can learn to offer hospitality. Hospitality isn't about impressing people. You don't have to impress anybody. It's not about that. Hospitality is about relationship. It's about inviting people in. There's a great quote by... Uh, Rosaria Butterfield. She has a chapter on community. She's a Christian writer. I just love this. She says, we forget the point of hospitality in the home. It's fellowship, not entertainment. The goal is not entertainment. We're not doing this to entertain people. We're doing this for fellowship, for relationship. And she says, don't let pride stop you from opening your home. Ignore the cat hair on the couch. Or in the mac and cheese. (laughs) Hairball. And this is great. It won't kill anyone as decisively as loneliness will. Hospitality is about relationships. It's about inviting people into our mess, isn't it? Sometimes I think that's exactly what God wants us to do. It's to invite someone into our mess. Ignore the cat hair, it's okay. Serve mac and cheese. It never really was about impressing anyone. It's just about making a connection and building some community. But our temptation, a lot of times, exactly what we see in this passage, it's to grumble, right? It's so much work. Such a, got to clean up, got to get ready, all those things, and we start to grumble. That's why I love 1 Peter 4.9. Peter just says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Because what you're doing is a beautiful thing. You're building a relationship. You're connecting with someone. You're building community. And that's what it's all about. So I want to ask you today, what might offering hospitality look like 
in your season of life. That last part's really important. What does it look like in your season of life? Wouldn't you guys agree that season of life thing is kind of an important thing to add? So what, what would hospitality look like in your season of life? I want to ask you to think about that. Our action step for this week is to practice hospitality. So what would that look like in your season of life to practice hospitality? Got three ideas. I think offering hospitality could be hosting someone in your home. And maybe you do that this week. Maybe you host someone in your home. A lot of you here today are hosting a tangible kingdom group in your home this week. And I just want to say thank you. Can we thank our hosts? Let's thank our hosts. Thank you. I thank you for hosting people in your home to create community within our church. Many of you have hosted people in your home for years, small groups, things like that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That creates community. And for some of you this week, you're going to get to the action step. Uh, Right now we're going through this workbook called Tangible Kingdom. We're on week four. Each week we get an action step. And in the workbook it says, action step this week, practice hospitality. And for some of you, you're going to invite someone into your home, invite someone over for a meal. And I love the primer. It actually gives some tips. So if you've never uh, invited someone into your home, look at some of those tips. Have some food, you know, light finger food, drinks. Um, I I love how it says... um, You know, put some music on, clean up. These are all really simple things, but there's some great ideas. Light a candle in the bathroom. I want to do that. Take time to introduce new people. Give, she says, he says, small talk gives people a chance to get to know each other. So you're going to see a lot of great tips for hosting people. But I think for some of us here today in our season of life, we're just not in a season where we can host people in our home. But that's not the only way to offer hospitality. So maybe for you, offering hospitality is to offer to, point two, offer to help with hospitality. Hey, can I bring drinks? Can I bring a dessert? Oh, could I come early and help you set up? Could I come early and welcome people? Could I stay late? Would you show me where these chairs go? Can I put them away for you? Isn't that huge? You've ever hosted a group of people in your home? Isn't it nice to have some people that pitch in and help out? Takes out some of the grumbling that Peter talked about. So for you, offering hospitality might just be offering to help with the hospitality. That's huge. The last one, and I love this, this one, Take your hospitality on the go. It doesn't even have to be in your house. Hey, you want to go grab some coffee or let's just get some friends together and go hang out at Grub. Think about Jesus. Did Jesus have a home? No, but he was always offering hospitality. He used simple invitations. It was nothing big and dramatic. It wasn't anything like that. He just said, come, eat. Come, sit with me. Follow me. And when we do that as a family, when we offer hospitality to one another, it builds relationship. It creates connection and community. It's a really important ingredient, isn't it?
offer hospitality to one another. And that's our action step for the week. So I want to challenge you this week. Offer some hospitality. Could look like any of those three things. All right, third, third ingredient. Love deeply, offer hospitality, serve with your gifts. So I have a gift. Um, you guys are going to laugh at me. But I have a gift of opening up the refrigerator and throwing away expired food. Does anybody kind of like get some joy out of that? Nobody wants to raise their hand. Yes! 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 Dude. <laughs> there are some things in my fridge right now, some like Asian sauces that I'm just like counting down the days. Angie and I went to her mom's a couple of years ago, and I sometimes can't help it. And I spotted some expired food. And I just, it was like one thing, and then I saw another thing, and then I saw another thing. And next thing I know, there is a pile of expired food, you know. And it's always like, if you can find something from 2004, you know, it's been a really good day. Can't help myself. You know, I, I may not know you, but... I do know something about you. There is an expired bottle of salad dressing somewhere in your fridge, and I would love to serve you with my gift. I really would. Give me a call. Invite me to coffee. I will clean your fridge. I'm telling you, I have a gift. <laughs> So you have a gift. God has gifted you. Every person in this room has been given a gift by God so that we can serve each other in community. I love that. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So there's a lot we could say about spiritual gifts, and a lot that needs to be said. Um, what's amazing about this verse is that it really tells us three things that are pretty important. Number one, every believer has a gift. Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. God's gifted you. We call them, sometimes we call it a spiritual gift. Have you heard that term? What's a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift is a God-given gift to make a supernatural impact in the world. In other words, something, there's something supernatural that happens when you use your gift. And maybe that gift is just a gift to love or a gift of, to serve or wisdom or maybe um, it's, it's explaining scripture. There's so many gifts. But it is a supernatural ability to make a difference in the world. And you have that. God's given you an amazing gift. Number two. One, every believer has a gift. Number two, God's given you a gift to serve others. The gift isn't for you. The gift is for serving others. 
Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. I just want to ask you today, are you serving in community? Are you using the gifts God has given you? A lot of you are. I just want to thank you for that. Number three. The gifts come in various forms. Do you guys see those last two words, various forms? So, Peter says, each of you should use whatever gift you've received as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. In other words, there are various gifts. The Bible talks about at least 21 different spiritual gifts. Isn't that incredible? So, you know, some of them are like hospitality. That is a gift. Some people are great at that. Um, There's a gift of teaching, gift of evangelism, gift of helps, gift of administration, gift of leadership. I could go on and on. There are 21 different gifts in the New Testament. And guess what? You have one of those gifts. Because the gifts come in various forms. There's actually three different types of gifts in the New Testament. There's love gifts, there's word gifts, and there are power gifts. Study some of the different gifts in the New Testament. They come in these three different categories. Love gifts, word gifts, power gifts. And so there really is this incredible variety of grace that God wants to release into his community. And the way God releases that into community This grace is as we serve one another with our gifts. And you might go, Brian, how do I know what my spiritual gift is? That's a great question. I think we would start maybe by doing some teaching on spiritual gifts. I think that would be something we would want to do. But in the meantime, here's what I would do to begin to figure out your spiritual gift. I would get into a community and I would serve. There's no better way to discover your spiritual gift than to get into community and begin to serve in the ways that God is prompting you. And you will just naturally begin to serve in your area of gifting. So be aware as the Holy Spirit is prompting you and just begin to serve as he's leading you and you will begin to discover your gifts. Happens in community. A lot more we could say about that. So these are are just three great ingredients for community. Community is beautiful. It's messy. It's amazing. It's one of the great gifts God has given to us. There are many ingredients to community. I think the, one of the things that the primer talks about this week is in our small groups is to everybody show up, bring a different ingredient, and make a soup together. Or you could make the soup before. <laughs> you know, that, how did, would that work out? Um, but we're, you're going to talk about these ingredients of community. And here are just three. Love deeply. Offer hospitality serve with our gifts. And as I look at these three things, I see one thing in common in all those. Do you guys see it? I think it's this, it's, to me, what's in common with all three of those is this idea of sacrifice. You guys see that? Each one of those. Really, community begins with sacrifice. And I think there's so many people today who are isolated and craving connection. And what we're learning today is that with just a little bit of sacrifice, we can begin to experience the community that we desperately crave. So today we're going to close with communion, which I love. 
at the center of our community, the family of Jesus, we remember a sacrifice. And it's the sacrifice of Jesus that created this community. And so we have community in this communion. We celebrate it together. And at the center of this is the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus loved you so much. He went all the way to a cross. And his love covers a multitude of sins. He welcomed us into a family. And he gave you a gift to make a difference in the world. So today we celebrate communion. We celebrate this sacrifice. And maybe you're here today and you're not, you're not ready to be a part of the family of Jesus. And that's okay. We are just so happy you're here. And it is completely okay just to let this pass by for the day where you say, you know what, I'm ready to take that. That's okay. just want to encourage you to be genuine with that. But for those of you who are part of Jesus' family, this represents his sacrifice that brings us together in community. And it is a picture for all of us as a church family. It's sacrifice that creates community with one another. Deep love. Offering hospitality to each other. Using our gifts to serve people. It's how we create community and connection. So let's, uh, let's take this communion together. I'm going to open this up. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread. And after he gave thanks to God, he gave this to his disciples. And he said, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And then after that, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the new covenant it's just a way of saying there's a, you can have a new relationship with God. That's what Jesus came to bring, right? He came to bring us a new relationship with God where our sins for, are forgiven. So he said this cup is a new covenant. It's a new relationship in my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And he said, whenever you do this, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And then he said, every time, you eat this bread and you drink this cup. Church, you proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until the day that he comes. Think about that. So today we celebrate community in communion with the one who brought us together. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for community. And now as we prepare our hearts for this time of communion with you and one another. First of all, we ask for forgiveness for our own sins. 
Thank you, Jesus, that your love covers a multitude of sins. And so before we look at the sins of others, God, we examine our own hearts. We ask God, forgive us. Sin is, at its heart, selfishness, pride. Sin is antisocial and anti-relational. And that's the brokenness Jesus came to heal in our life. So Jesus, I pray today that you teach us how to love. As we receive your love, teach us how to love people. God, we want to do better at that. We want to honor you by loving and serving the people you've put us in our life, put in our life. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this church family. What an amazing gift that is.